Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the House of Learning podcast. It's Richard here with Steve and Angela. Hi there. Hi. The, I was going to say trio of, but the word in my head was three stooges. So. <laughs> three. Today we may be, we'll see. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's it's a kind of crazy week. We've been clearing out the church and tidying up and, well, I have. Um, it's been an unusual week. Yes. Um, I, I sound a little bit like I've, I'm holding the bridge of my nose. I sound mm. very nasal. I think all the dust's getting to me. But it's also, it's an interesting transition week. So we've been doing the Becoming Like Jesus series for a while, going through Luke. And um, we are, so this is the week where we turn a little bit and try to put those things down and then turn towards Easter. Mm. So it's a little bridge between the two. And uh, like this, this week is kind of all about looking back. Um, we're going to invite communities, you know, to not lose those things that maybe God's shown you the last few months. Because isn't that just the way? Yeah. You Move know, on to something new. Like I went forward, someone prayed. I felt like God was really doing something important. And so you prayed, you thought about it that afternoon, and then Monday <clears> hit. And... Yeah, to try to not lose the like precious things mm-hmm. maybe God is up to. And, and sometimes just join them together and be like, that's, oh, no, that's right. Like Jesus told me to respond to him. Mm-hmm. So to keep the response going. But we're not going to talk about that. Um, you guys are going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. We're going to do a little bit more of the like, okay, so what are we turning towards as we get ready for Easter? And a phrase we've been using about Lent, which already started because the traditional Lent is 40 days mm. before Easter. Um, and we're like a week and a half past right. that. Mm-hmm. So um, we're, we're already into it. But uh, we've been using the phrase Lent is to Easter what Advent is to Christmas. So it's this interesting blend of preparing yourself to celebrate mm. something, but also sort of building and starting to celebrate mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's actually really nice in America that culture, it doesn't really celebrate Advent. It doesn't really celebrate Christmas either. But it celebrates the holiday season for a whole month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's something going on culturally that tells you this bit of the year is for something different than all the other bits of the year. It starts to feel different. We right. secular world doesn't know why, but they just start to feel yeah. different, more yeah. cheerful. Yeah. Oh, it's festive. Oh, don't know and why. The, the challenge then, the difference is there's nothing really culturally going on around Lent. Mm. Yeah. Right. You can't go to Target uh, and tell, oh, it's Lenten season. Like no. you can in, well, actually now, October for Christmas <laughs> when yeah. they put the the uh, Christmas I, I decorations out. I would say the out. only thing culturally that's really remained is is right is Mardi Gras, right, which oh, everyone yeah. knows mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm. But well, perhaps, oh, because we don't have Mardi Gras in the UK. Oh, so yeah. okay. Sorry, I kind of know about it because I've lived here a while. Yeah. But I'm just wondering, <laughs> someone else might be like, oh yeah, like what, what, what's the deal with Mardi Gras? What's yeah. Mardi Gras? Well, and that's it. I think you know we were like, oh, Mardi Gras is a big carnival, big. Big party in New Orleans. There's beads. But what's behind it? Yeah. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. whatnot. And you're right. It's not tied to, I mean, 
people do know, some people I think w- will make that connection between Mardi Gras and Lenten season. Yeah. But uh, by and large, it feels like, oh, it's just this massive party. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Happens once a year. Yeah. And it, it's kind of like uh, lots of the Christmas things. It's yeah. like there may be uh, a spiritual, liturgical sort of calendar behind why things are happening at that mm-hmm. time of year, but they're no longer done for the same reasons. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and Lent is one of those traditions that actually goes back to the early church fathers. Ah, like mm-hmm. people did something to prepare for Easter mm-hmm. and, and they've done so for 16, 17, 1800 years of Christendom. Yeah. And maybe earlier we just, you know, the historical document chain gets, you know, yeah. a little bit more empty the further you go back. So it's harder to tell. Yeah. Um, well, that's good because so, so it's it's a long running thing. Uh, yeah, I know. I've been thinking about this as as we sort of decided to talk about Lent. I'm like, well, I got a lot of questions about Lent, mm-hmm. and and maybe my understanding of uh, what it is and and where it came from. Like, how did those traditions come about? And yeah, so maybe we can unpack a little bit of that. Yeah, talk about it a yeah. bit, and um. Uh, also, I think connecting it to the things that maybe people do know. Because uh, yeah. Christians maybe know a little bit more about Lent generally, mm-hmm. but there is still a vague idea in Western culture that like, oh yeah, you give something up for Lent. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I was going to say. So that's maybe mm-hmm. the common understanding mm-hmm. where maybe there is for some people still like there's a cultural thing happening at this time of year. Mm. But it mm. feels to me a lot like New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, new start to the year. I should make a resolution. I should start going to the gym. I, yeah, I mm. should stop eating cake for breakfast. I should. Yeah. yeah whatever it is. Yeah. And I think Lent sometimes has a similar feel that it's a time of year to sort of level up something. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, but, do but something normally, better. Normally level up by denying yourself yeah. something. And mm-hmm. that, so that's the twist. People um, talk about all the time. I'm giving up chocolate for Lent. I'm giving up. Yeah whatever this habit for lent um uh netflix for lent um yeah. and they don't they, they talk about it like they talk almost sometimes in my world like more than resolutions like it's yeah i don't know maybe it's only 40 days of giving something up that's why it's easier yeah than a resolution which is a whole year and it so and it connects to the biblical idea of fasting mm. but something we can talk about as well is Fasting is different to just giving something up that you know you sort of maybe overindulge in. Mm. Yes, there right. should, there is a so difference. So there's a difference there. between the oh yeah, I'm going to give something up. It's an opportunity. It's time of year, and people are giving stuff up. I I should quit smoking. I should you know yeah. like yeah. It, it can be a time because other people are giving things up to maybe give you a bit of momentum to give something mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. And that's like if you're overindulging in something and you want to give it up. This is like, uh, I remember years ago, uh, Scott and Sarah, I'm going to throw them under the bus, were doing Whole30 for health reasons. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. And we, so Anna and I were like, we'll do it with you. That's nice. Okay. Terrible. Good Terrible friends. decision. <laughs> <laughs> or it didn't go well. Was it like the whole two instead of the Whole30? <laughs> no, no, we, we did it. We did it. Oh, but you I did? I tell you, I was creative with like finding ways to like just, just you know, oh, goodness. what can we do within these walls? But, um, <laughs> of course, Richard, of course. But, but there is that dynamic of like, yeah, they were doing, it. that's a good thing to do. 
Like right, I want to give right. some up because yeah. I want to see how it affects my health, and yeah. you know, and um, they weren't just doing it because it was a fad. They had some health things that they thought, mm. oh, maybe this will help. We, we yeah. should try it, but it's going to be really hard. So doing it with people, that like, so that is a thing. Yeah, right. it's just that's not fasting. Mm, mm. So there's a richer idea that I think was a part of the Lenten tradition that's got lost. And so, got replaced yeah, with this sort of pseudo version as well. So maybe two questions is, so help us understand sort of that biblical point of view on fasting in general, and yeah. then why fasting's connected to Lent. Yes. Well, should yeah. we tell the story of Lent? Sure. Because that was your first question. Yes, yeah. So yeah, like, sorry. how did we yeah. get here? Yeah. It's 40 days yeah. out. What does the 40 days? So yeah. back in the early church, there was a tradition of preparing yourself mm. for Easter to okay. celebrate Easter because it was, I, I don't know, we like thinking of Advent, we prepare to celebrate by getting more excited, by putting up decorations, mm. by mm. eating more food, um, by buying presents, you know, mm -hmm. like, but they had a more like internal idea of preparing. It was about preparing your heart. That you don't want this really significant occasion of remembering the, the cross and the resurrection to sort of pass you by in the calendar. Like you'll, you'll mm. travel through that season and it not affect you. Mm. Deeply, right? Right. So in it's kind of heart. setting your heart to be affected mm. by Easter. Mm -hmm. um, and that there's work to do to do that. So it's a recognition as well um, of, the, of a reality that just is a reality. It's sad that it is. We, we hopefully grow and mature to do better at this. But it's really easy for th some of the things that are the most like eternal, the most significant, the most important to sometimes be happening on the fringes of our time mm -hmm. and our energy. R so right? wouldn't it, yeah, I mean, so wouldn't it be a truth really that like receiving Jesus requires spiritual preparation? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. In all ways. Yeah. And so this is a good one. Yeah. And, and I guess it's worth saying um, Lent and Easter in the, tradition of christianity were way more important than christmas yeah so we think christmas that. is the biggest holiday of the year or the biggest christian holiday but actually the reasons for that are really interesting and it's because you had around that time of new years um all saints day uh, the Feast of St. Stephen, you had like lots of feast days that would be culturally celebration times that celebrated all sorts of different parts of the, the Christian story. And in the midst of that, also the celebration of Jesus's birth. But that sense of there's so much to celebrate. There's so much going on. We don't, we don't celebrate <clears throat> St. Stephen's Day. We, yeah. like, we don't celebrate don't all these things anymore, is. right? Yeah. But culturally it became a major celebration time. Interesting. And it's mm. also a little bit like medieval Europe. It's about getting through winter. Yeah. It's about mm -hmm. hope for the spring. Mm -hmm. It's about, mm -hmm. you know, so there's all these reasons why Christmas got elevated as being really important for us to celebrate. Yeah. But actually, within just the Christian tradition, especially the further you go back, 
Easter's far more dominant. Yeah. Like the most important, the most significant. Because theologically, in terms of like the Bible story, it is the culmination of the mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. That God would come is massive. The incarnation is huge. But we're like, okay, so he's come. What's he going to do? Mm-hmm. He came for a purpose. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And the cross mm-hmm. and the resurrection mm-hmm are like there, the yeah, emphasis, yeah. the focal point of why he came and the most important things he came to do. Yeah. So massively important, which then, I don't know, he, I, I, I'm sort of excited to see as a church how we can start to maybe grab a hold of Lent and reclaim it mm, mm. and say, actually, let's make this a special time of the year yeah. for us. Um, to sort of flex those muscles and and it's sort of interesting because yeah. I'm a, I'm actually being a bit avant garde with this, because the tradition is one of fasting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I actually think maybe a good place for us to start in the culture we're in is okay, but it's also about celebrating. Mm-hmm. So let's flex some of our celebration muscles to help us start to engage with the fact that this time of year maybe could be different than the rest of the year. Mm. And so. We're actually going to do a little twist yeah. on some of the, I, I say normal, normal's the wrong word because these things have changed through history, but some of the more well-established traditions mm-hmm. of Lent. It's exciting. Yeah. So so a little, little twist on it yeah. for us. So that's yeah. a heads up because if you're in a community group, you're going to maybe listen to the podcast and be like, oh, we're going to be fasting for the next four weeks. <laughs> and then I'm going to be like, actually, I'm going to invite you to do a whole bunch of other things mm-hmm. and you can fast mm-hmm. if you want. But And yeah. those are going to come through in the community group discussions yes. as well as in the sermons, yes. right? The in whole the series are going to yeah. – so stay tuned for, um, you know – the messages that are going to be yes. coming out We're here yeah. into mm-hmm. celebration yeah. and, ready and to celebrate. the story like why why easter matters mm-hmm. yeah because mm-hmm. i think most people answer why easter matters and they give like 10 percent of the right answer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think sometimes we just don't think about or haven't connected the dots with the other 90 percent mm-hmm. yeah and as we do that it helps us well helps us celebrate easter better yeah helps us realize why it's so significant and maybe why you would prepare yourself yeah. like to 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 be affected by it like this is something i want to say next sunday to talk about is um i i think I, i've known this but i hadn't thought about it this is a complete aside but some of the things that form us the most when you think of formation how are we formed to be like christ the things we celebrate and how we celebrate them. They're some of the most formational practices. Oh, that's... Right? Yeah, that's very true. Like, yeah. we get so shaped. Like, think about when you think about your family and your family traditions. That's like forming a family culture, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Some of the, like, landmark things people carry, like, into their marriage and hand off to their kids and, you know, things like that about that culture is how you celebrate birthdays and Christmas and vacations. And, and weddings and... Yeah. 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 So yeah, like, the, really like what's that time that's for? That's a great point, um, Richard. Yes. So celebrations are really formational they practice, are. which I think is super, super interesting. I, I want to back up. Yeah. We still haven't answered the question, what's left. But I also want to <laughs> back up <laughs> yeah, to we'll get there, what, we'll get there. what you just said earlier. Like, you know, many people's sort of when they um, give an explanation of Easter, their understanding of Easter is this 10%. And yes. 
But what I heard in you, what I heard what you said, which I really appreciate is, is not that we don't know, we just haven't put the pieces together. Because yeah. that might sound like uh, people don't understand Easter. I don't think that's what you're saying. I think no. what you're saying is you do, but let's put those pieces together in a way that's maybe a little bit different. Yeah. That's really about celebrating. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, yes, the... the as opposed to maybe the smaller view of the of what Easter really represents. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, and yeah. and also just to dovetail on that, this concept of how these messages, which are coming up in the coming weeks, are going to build on each other and give us an expanded thinking of it. It, um, I just wanted to voice like I've very much appreciated the the sermon series that we just finished in Luke of how each sermon builds on the previous one mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. an intentional purpose of you know priorities and simplicity and and just what that has done in our community group the fact that we can we can look back and then um, and then talk about the current message of the week and then look forward and yeah. I just want to like encourage you yeah. on staff Richard in that and also how personally I'm really looking forward to these Lenten messages yeah. to build how one will build yeah. on the next leading to Easter I know that's going to happen and it's exciting to me and um, just encouragement for us all to continue yeah. to listen to each one if we don't get to church yeah, follow then the story. listen online because yeah. you will miss it you'll yeah, miss and, it and then it won't make much sense Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we're not sure exactly what we're going to call it yet, but we might call the the series story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it will be like going to the movie and falling asleep and then... And then waking up. Like, Okay, so funny story, because <laughs> I've, I've, I've thrown Scott and Sarah under the bus, I'll throw Anna under the bus. Right? Oh, so, no, not Anna. <laughs> so this is her. this is when Lord of the Rings came out, uh-huh. and we go to the cinema, and she was mm-hmm. pregnant, and she was super tight all the time. And you can't pick on her. <laughs> but Anna has a hard time staying awake through a film at the best of times, uh-huh. right? But pregnant in a dark cinema. And you, you remember that bit when Gandalf is fighting the Balrog and the epic battle yes. scene, and he's clinging by his fingertips, and he yes. says, run, you fools, and let's go, because yeah. the Balrog's pulling him down. Anna nudges right. me and says, why did he jump? <laughs> <laughs> and if you miss a Sunday, you may have a moment like that That's in true. the whole Easter story. Yeah. So you don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I am looking forward to because as, as you're talking about this and we're, we're discussing this celebration, this moving towards something, I'm in my head already anticipating Easter Sunday to be this massive joyous celebration mm-hmm. for us as a church in a different way than yeah. it's been in the yeah. past. Mm-hmm. So I Yay. I don't know. I just Yeah. Yeah, goosebumps. So so bit. let's yeah. let's timeline Lent a little oh, bit. Okay. Okay. Right. Let's okay. Do it. To, to be clear. So Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras. Which is French for Fat, Fat Tuesday, Tuesday. Right. <laughs> um in England we call it Shrove Tuesday. Um or more popularly Pancake, Pancake Day. <laughs> but both of those traditions are about having a celebration before the start of Lent, which is on mm-hmm. the Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And tr- the tradition then is that it's 40 days before Easter. And what you're actually leaning into, you're walking alongside the story of to help you prepare mm-hmm. for Easter is Jesus wandering in the wilderness for 40 days doing battle with Satan, being Mm. tempted by Satan um, before he begins his ministry. So it's sort of interesting Mm. that Mm. as the church 
thought, okay, how do we prepare for Easter? They looked to not just Jesus, but Moses wandered mm. and fasted. Elijah fasted. Like these mm-hmm, mm-hmm. times of preparation, fasting, seeking the Lord, that there is like a, a biblical pattern of people doing this. Mm-hmm. So it seems disconnected. It's like, well, yeah. why why would we be celebrating something at the beginning of Jesus's ministry as we get ready to celebrate the end of his ministry? Mm. Why not celebrate what he did the week before? But and, and the funny thing is, we do that as well. Yeah. So Lent goes right up to Easter, but we also celebrate Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. So a week before Jesus died, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And so, yeah, we celebrate that. And then we have Good Friday when Jesus actually died. We celebrate his death. And then the three days after on the Sunday, then we have the celebration of the resurrection. So I get it's a little confusing because it's like, mm-hmm. well, I got a, I got like a mishmash of a few different storylines. Mm-hmm. And as you get close to Easter, they actually overlap a little bit in that last week. Yes. And the week before between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday is often called Holy Week. A lot happens in that right? week. That's where we as a church, we did it last year, maybe the year before, and we'll do it again this year, is have a, a practice we can engage with called the Stations of the Cross, yeah. mm-hmm. where you reflect on some of the key moments. And actually, it's right before the cross, as Jesus goes from being like on trial, scourged, carrying the cross, mm-hmm. like all, all the way to going to the cross. Yeah. We sort of narrow in and, and narrow our focus in to appreciate what's happening mm. and, and uh, what Jesus is going through. So yeah. it, it's, a, it's a real interesting sort of thing. And so I, I guess... I guess we have to talk a little bit about why 40 days of fasting yeah. prepares you. So that's the, that's the big elephant and, in the and, room. And why fasting. And why fasting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then Shrove Tuesday, Mardi Gras, Pancake yeah. Day, Fat Tuesday, that was when you would use up the sugar and eggs in your pantry because mm-hmm. you're not going to eat them for the next 40 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though the oldest traditions were actually that people would fast from meat and animal produce. Okay. Um so not just eggs and sugar, right. but but like meat, dairy, all that stuff. Um, or I like some traditions were fasting from sex for 40 mm. days as well. So, yeah, and, pa- and pancakes don't connect to the longest traditions. And is there maybe I is there a connection between, say, sugar and um, and flour, that sort of thing, to anything else sort of in the like why those things giving up? Yeah, and, and that, I think, is lost in the midst okay. of medieval Europe. Okay. Like, exactly why. The, the giving up meat, uh, again, that is, um, there's a biblical pattern of people when they fasted. Sometimes they would just fast, not eat anything. Sometimes they were like, oh, mm-hmm. they just ate vegetables for mm-hmm. a while, for a season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it was a way of, well, we'll have to talk about this, like, but simplifying, uh, you know, in, well, this gets to the whole conversation about what a fast is and what yeah. why I do a fast and what a fast accomplishes. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but there there is yeah. some biblical pattern behind um, the giving up of meat and animal. Produce. So so maybe I'll shift questions not so much to like hey what are you fasting from, 
well, like, why were people called into fasting in the first place? Yeah. Um, because, you know, I, I think of, so Jesus, he's in the desert as well, but then as he goes on and he's giving his, you know, and through the Sermon on the Mount, when he talks about fasting, his expectation is, he says, when you fast, it's not yeah. if you fast. Yeah. So there's, he seems to be, saying, no, fasting is something that would be in the normal rhythm mm-hmm. of yeah. mm-hmm. worship. Yes. Um, it's a part of a... It's a spiritual rhythm. Yeah. Because I think people are probably a little more familiar with um, maybe you've got, like, a big decision to make and you really want to yeah. seek God and you might fast as a part of seeking God. Mm-hmm. Like people might okay. have done that themselves or know people who've done that. Or maybe you're interceding for someone Mm. and praying like, I'm going to pray and fast for that person Mm -hmm. or something like that. But actually uh, within the sort of rabbinic tradition, especially the Pharisees, they would fast one day a week. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I did that for years. Mm -hmm. Um, Just not for any reason other than, you know, as a young Christian finding out that rabbis did it and thinking, I'll, I'll I'll try that. I'll see. I'll see what so that's what like. So, what was what was it like, Richard? Like, yeah, what did so you experience? I would, so, I would eat dinner, mm-hmm. and then I I would uh, then fast through to dinner time the next day, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and yeah, do twenty four hours. Um, but it was important to. Uh, well, I got to back up. Okay, sure. So, I think. I didn't have a robust theology of fasting. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's so I didn't didn't know like entirely why I was doing it, things right, like that. Right. But I had had like fasting as something Jesus had interacted with me about. So this is mm. interesting. So mm-hmm. when I was first becoming a Christian and starting to realize this this Jesus thing is real mm-hmm. and starting to sense God like showing me things and speaking things to me, at the time I was. Um, uh, just like a hair's breadth away from being an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. I used to drink mm. so much. Um, and, and not just drank loads, which is bad for you, but that was my, I don't know, like the thing I was known for. Mm. You know, mm. like walking into Richard's a party, party and like, guy. Richard's here. Like, yeah. let's let's yeah. watch Richard down a bottle of vodka. And, oh, you gosh. know, just like... <laughs> um, so So an unhealthy uh-huh. like it, interaction with that really um, in, in loads of different ways. And I, I can remember it being one of the first things I felt God impressing on me, like yeah. that needs to go mm-hmm. like that's hurting you. That just needs to stop. Mm-hmm. And it's right around the time of Easter and Lent's going on. Okay. And so I was like, oh, I'll give it up for Lent then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was that thing of like, yeah. you know, I was just, I wasn't fasting. But Jesus was saying you need to stop. And the fact that other people around me were stopping things made it a bit easier for me to stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's really amazing because I was still going to parties and like clubs and hanging out with people and having fun and just you know, wanted mm-hmm. to lock the night away being goofy. But I didn't need to drink. And actually, all my friends were like, "You're not going to be as much fun. Like, I'm going to have a drink because we need we need you. We need party, Richard. End. We need party, Richard." It was like, "No, you can have party, Richard, without yeah, the drink. Yeah. It's, it's going to be okay." And God just took away that desire. Wow, Richard! Like overnight, that's profound. Gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was hilarious because then, like, as further battles came up in my life, I can still remember like asking to meet with a pastor and yeah. 
just being like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. So like Jesus showed me this. I was like, okay, God, I'm going to stop. And God took it away. Perfect. Great. Right, like, that should happen all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're like, but the next thing hasn't gone away. What am yeah. I doing wrong? And he, uh, we were like in a restaurant out for coffee and he just burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> he just thought it was the, the most hilarious, oh. naive thing. Yeah. <laughs> you silly boy. Um, he was kind, says, but yeah. it was yeah funny. So, yeah. so I'd, uh, and then after Lent finished, you know, I was like, should I, should I start drinking again? Like, or I've, I've, I've learned something about myself mm. and actually mm. I've learned something about what God can do in my life in this. So I didn't do the whole mm. Lent. It was mm. just, just a few weeks, yeah, maybe mm. a couple of weeks. But like I'd learned something about what could God could do and I was drawing close to God and I was responding in obedience to something he was leading me in. And, you know, it was just developing the relationship and, um, you know, reaping so many benefits of that step of obedience. Mm. And at the end of Lent at Easter, I was like, should I I drink again? I remember just praying, be like, God, should it like, I I feel like I understand now that what I was doing was bad, but like, what's right? Mm -hmm. And God just saying, you know what, you're an idiot with alcohol. You just, the place for the line you is just zero just don't yeah. drink wow and i and i still don't mm-hmm. yeah. um and it, yeah it's sort of morphed from yeah because i don't think i can trust myself and i think i'd be really done with it to do you know what i've lived most of my life without it now and quite frankly it saves so much money i'm happy to keep yeah, on drinking yeah, yeah. spend the money on chocolate instead it's fine <laughs> and he does <laughs> <laughs> but, but so it's so just like a, there was an interesting interaction there uh, with that and I think that piqued my interest to get back to your question yeah. of fasting once a day okay. uh, so once a week mm-hmm. to wonder like okay I wonder if there are like other things that maybe need to go and fasting might be a way to interact with those things huh. or learn about those things so I think that was maybe yeah. one thought and, and the other one was um, just that had been a time of in obedience drawing closer to jesus and i like early christian yeah like there's so much junk in my life um but just still drawing close to jesus because he was just because that's that's what jesus does he doesn't say shake yourself up and then i'll interact with you he just reaches out taps you on the shoulder about one thing and says come to me so i'm interested you you said uh, uh this drawing closer to Jesus and fasting being a mechanism for yeah. that is a, is a way is an invitation in to that because oftentimes it, you know we may look at fasting as like I, he's certainly not saying hey you should you guys are all you know unhealthy you should fast because it's a health thing and mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, a weight loss or whatever that maybe it's not like today we hear of intermittent fasting yeah. and all these other yeah. tools of, of fasting but they're almost um objective oriented in terms of the objective of somehow improving ourselves mm-hmm. uh, you know yeah. um, that's not what biblical no, fasting no. yeah because then that's like. just uh it's like that thing of oh well if other people are fasting around me or i've got some reason to practice yeah. self-improvement yeah yeah, I but imagine people thinking it's not the whole thing. You give me yeah. the steps, Richard. Like yeah. just give me the steps yeah. and I'll do it. Like I'll try it. And it's really interesting because it's there's something quite nuanced going on when we actually fast. Because part of it was just using the time differently. Mm. So I remember like 
on a fast day, I'd always make a little bit more space to pray around meal times. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, that time is now going to be given over for something else. Yeah, good. Um, and like where uh, where I worked, I could like walk into town a little bit, and this is just like York's this beautiful medieval city with more churches than pubs, and it's got a pub for every day of the year. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you, you could always go into like a sacred space, mm-hmm. find space to pray. So mm-hmm. doing that, and I think that's like the most obvious layer of how fasting might help you mm. pursue God a little bit because you, it, it, it sets some intentionality towards mm-hmm. spending time seeking God. Mm-hmm. So ri- where there were rhythms around eating, now you place those rhythms right. around going to God. Right. But I think there's something on a deeper level that's actually way more powerful than that. Because what you're, what you're doing when you fast is you're changing your posture towards yourself and your desires and your appetites and your habits and things like that. You're intentionally setting all of what you think is normal intention and sort of inv- inviting God into it. And it's, it mm. creates mm. a vulnerability. And I think it's that, and that's the difference between fasting and self denial. Like self denial and self improvement can be really hard and make you feel vulnerable to yourself, you know. But to f- the fast is intentionally making yourself vulnerable to God and uh. submitting to God. And 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 it, it affects you on like a, a like a psychosocial, mm, neurochemical mm, mm. like on, on every sort of level because it changes how you interact with other people around you and their rhythms, like it, it just places you in tension. Mm. But it and and it, getting like understanding the kind of tension because I think sometimes yes. another missed view of fasting is it's a kind of form of self-flagellation. Mm. Like, oh, woe is me. And I think a lot of people have this idea of Lent. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, Jesus had to die for me, a sinner. Oh, I'm so sorry you had to die for me, Jesus. I'll like, give up this man, for you. I, I'm going to suffer for 40 days just to make myself feel better about the fact that mm. you had to suffer for me or or things along those lines. And it's almost like I'm suffering to in some way merit a bit more of God's attention or Mm -hmm. twist his arm to bless Mm -hmm. me or yeah anything like that but the the tension I'm placing myself in when I fast is not to try to earn something but to try and receive something yeah that's totally 180 degrees different yeah totally different right Mm -hmm. and it's kind of interesting like thinking about uh, this is where it gets very meta and the richness of theological thought in the early church where some of these traditions have their roots is so profound because I think they understood something about Jesus's own experience of being born in the likeness of sinful flesh, carrying that sinful flesh into tension and submission and vulnerability Mm. to God where it was challenged by the enemy and emerging victorious Mm. as he withstands the enemy's temptations Mm. as a way to prepare him and his posture and his self-understanding and his God understanding for his public ministry. Mm. Mm. And for the moment on the cross. Right, which culminates in the cross. Mm -hmm. And so it's really interesting that actually I think there's deep synergy between the effect of that fast on Jesus and his own development and our fast 
and our development towards Easter, our preparation mm, for yeah. Easter as well. So it, it's actually, uh, you could probably write like a four volume book on all, all the ways these, like so many things actually connect in here, which is interesting because I, I started yeah. saying it can seem that like, why on earth we like get ready for Easter by celebrating something at the beginning of Jesus's life. Right, right. And I think it's because they saw, they understood the connections between the battle Jesus did to withstand the enemy in the wilderness is what enabled him to stand in Gethsemane, crying mm. and say, I don't want to do this, Father, but not as I will. Your will be done. Mm. Like there's a... There's a yeah. Not just a correlation, connection. but a causal Causation. link between these things. Mm. And, and there's so many other layers to this as well. Like, I want to ask you guys about your experience of fasting, but I've, I've got to like throw this out as a thought to think about as well because I'll forget it in yeah. two minutes because that's how tired Richard's brain works. <laughs> so part of celebrating the 40 days by fasting is like a posturing ourselves toward God. Mm. Put, creating tension that we're inviting God into but also our life is supposed to be cruciform mm -hmm. it's supposed to be suffering shaped like the victorious Christian life the thriving Christian life includes suffering now not all kinds of suffering some suffering is like keep Satan or like you know, right. lead us not into temptation. And it's just the pain of evil in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's the suffering of giving ourselves to something, to sacrifice for something good. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. that kind of suffering. That's the mm -hmm. kind of suffering that fasting involves. Mm -hmm. Fasting is like, I'm going to create some suffering and actually try on some suffering in a way that's very accessible and might teach me a something about my own relationship to that kind of suffering. Mm. And it can become a place to learn how to go sacrifice and suffer for other things, mm -hmm. which is part of our mission. Like that's part of how we be Jesus to this world is to go to suffer towards it. And so there's a connection between fasting and our mission as well. So it's not just about our relationship to God and, and that sort of one-on-one -on -one relationship, but it's, also about our relationship to like mission and the world we live mm. in and to not be afraid of the suffering when we're faced with it because we've been practicing our reliance on god in it yeah. through the tr training grounds if you will of fasting yeah yeah mm. so i want to hear from you guys because you asked me Big question. So yeah, that I told yeah. you. Yeah, like, no, that's story so good. time with Richard about yeah. fasts, Thank you. <laughs> fasts I've done. What about you guys? What have you got any like fasting stories, encounters with fasting? I, I think if I'm honest, uh not um I, I've tried before, but I don't think I'm just I'm thinking about fasting in a whole new perspective right now based okay. on this conversation. So you tried it, but you tried it a a different yeah, way. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and really, um, I, I mean, I, and I certainly tried it and approached fasting uh, as a way to say, you know, how do I, um, you know, that remembrance of depending upon God. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, but 
I, but maybe not as uh, complete as you're talking about. But I do, I do really um, resonate with your your notion of like, um, but that freed up other time for you know to yeah. actually be intentional about uh, spending time with God. Yeah. Um, at other times, so and especially yeah. I think during Lent that time to pray and spend time with God, yeah. worshiping, praying, things like that. Um, the traditions of Lent include not only a fast for 40 days, but also extra time in prayer mm. because that's what Jesus was yeah. doing yeah. in those 40 days. Yeah. Um, and almsgiving. Mm. So like giving, being generous towards others, um, you know, to, mm. to, see, to see others differently. And it's sort of really interesting to me that this tr- this tradition, like Jesus's forty days, probably helped him see himself differently. It created yeah. a different reality between him and Satan. Satan saw yeah. him differently because he, yeah. he he thought he was going to overcome him, and was like, "Oh, I can't." So now I'm going to have to make a plan to kill you, mm-hmm. which was another. God was like, "Ha ha! You think that's <laughs> going to be a victory, but that's actually going to be my victory." Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a yeah. you know, but it but it also. I don't know, like fasting. This is part of the preparing for Easter twist. Yeah. Right? So getting ourselves situated to sort of get to Good Friday and stand at the foot of a cross and to get to Easter Sunday and stand outside Mm. an empty tomb and for those things, for us to interact with in the right way, for them to affect us the right way, a huge part of that is just like, it's not about me. Yeah. Like this affects me, but this is about God's story for creation, for all of humankind. Yeah. It's about my interconnectedness with all of these things. It sort of really pushes back on the sort of self-centeredness that mm-hmm. we're all so prone to. And like the the Easter story, the significance of Easter draws us out of self. Mm-hmm. And it, then it's so interesting again that the fasting is something that puts <clears throat> pressure on self-focus and self-satisfaction. Yeah. It creates a tension around that. And th- then if that would join up with prayer and like, oh, we don't use the word almsgiving, which is a shame because I think it's a kind of cool word, but that sort of generosity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's actually like there's a beautiful thing coming together in that Lent yeah. story. I think like for me, I think about fasting um, more as for like a health thing. Mm. Um, and I've done that kind of fasting before. And I, I'm, as you're talking, I'm just trying to like think about how I would approach fasting during Lent now after sitting here at this table today. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think for me, like it's something I'd like to try. Um, it's, so um, powerful to think about fasting having less to do with what's happening inside of me, self-centered, inward-focused, and more to do with with laying down myself because mm. I and and what God's doing. I imagine um, I'm thinking of like certain friends and certain conversations I might have with people who would say fasting. I love that concept. 
but I could never do it. Like I will faint. Definitely a thing. Yeah. And so, um, so could you, Richard, like so, yeah, speak I, into that I a little bit? I ran into that. So I, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I was working as a cabinet maker mm-hmm. or a furniture maker, uh, me and the guy I worked with, we both decided like, hey, let's fast together. Because he was a Christian guy. Mm-hmm. went to the same church. We used to like evangelize the neighborhood around the workshop. And so we would fast together. But we learned that actually the physical fast, doing the physical job we did is basically, because I can't remember what day we would fast. Like we'd fast on, I think we did Wednesdays because there's early morning prayer on a Wednesday. So it was like, okay, you know, it's like a cool day to do it. Mm -hmm. We would basically get not very much done and make loads of mistakes. And then Thursday we would spend having to undo the mistakes we made on Wednesday, like uh. that table leg's not straight. <coughs> and it's just like all, all these things. And we we're like, this is this is actually given our work. This is not a way for us to do this. Mm-hmm. Like are, are things affecting our work, like a fast mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. like that's okay. Like a, a cost to a fast. But as a rhythm of, oh, we're going to do this every week, it was the wrong kind of fast. Mm, mm. So what are some... So then we had to get creative. Okay. We're like, okay, what else could we fast from? Mm-hmm. And um, and still, like, we really enjoyed that we'd had lunch, like, given over to prayer. But then we were like, okay, well, the balance here is instead of, like, losing two days to mistakes, we'll, like, we'll do a longer lunchtime mm. and, um, and pray which actually then God started to use in other ways. Like some of the people we were reaching out to who didn't know Jesus yet, we'd invite for lunch. And we're like, well, we normally we normally pray. Mm. Like, you so wanna, you would you skip lunch then? No, so we'd still have lunch. Still have lunch. But we retained the let's give some extra time over to prayer. And okay. So and we'd learned something too. from the whole experience. Mm-hmm. And so I think for people who want to try fasting, like thinking about how to create that tension, like if you're – six months pregnant and that baby's starting to pack on weight, like <laughs> mm-hmm. fasting one day a week, you can do it, but it might not be the right choice. might mm-hmm. not be the right yeah. season. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually could be dangerous for you. Mm-hmm. You know, so, mm-hmm. so we have, still have to be wise about this stuff. I mean, I, there was yeah. in the news recently, there was a guy in Africa who died. Uh, he was like a pastor of a church. I think yeah. it was in Nigeria, but he tried to fast 40 days, mm-hmm. which you can do, but you have to pre- make a plan you have to prepare to mm-hmm, do that mm-hmm. and you have to prepare to stop your fast the right way or mm-hmm. you can end up sick All like making trouble. yourself yeah medically bad for you but um yeah he actually died from it so oh. so it requires some wisdom uh, but i think it's really good to uh, and this is the sort of thing like you can invite people you know who've done it before into the creativity and you can pray about it yeah mm-hmm. god how should i fast um, and it, it's sort of interesting, like I've worked with so many young people, so many young adults mm-hmm. who have said, what well, I could never, fast. I can do it. It's for someone I could else. never do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, I think what's actually true is that you need to learn some things about yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to realize what you can do. And, uh, so it's okay to like fast from your phone one day a week. That's mm-hmm. a form of so mm-hmm. you're going to learn something by this. The thing is, though, that it when when we choose what else to fast from and get creative with it, it's really easy for our mind to go to that. Well, what would be good for me? I'll fast from cake for right. breakfast. Mm-hmm. 
I'll fast from eating a cheesecake every day. You know, like <laughs> I'm going to give up the bad things. <laughs> this is not confession. I don't eat cheesecake. Every, I would, but I don't eat cheesecake every day. But um, it's really easy for our mind to go to those things. But the question we should be asking is like, what's going to create the kind of tension? that's actually going to make me vulnerable to God oh, that's and invite him in. That inward tension. And there is nothing like fasting in a way that gets at some of our most fundamental, the way we were created as physical beings, needs. You're talking about there's nothing like uh, uh, food fasting. Yeah. Yeah, the for, only uh, other thing in Scripture yeah. which Paul yeah. talks about is sex. Yeah. So, So... There is a difference, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. fasting from your phone, fasting from Netflix. Like, yeah, those things are going to affect but you. But like, what do you physically but, hunger for? But join that up uh-huh. with, with like some of your deep drives. Yeah. Like the things that really make you feel like survival. Because mm-hmm. giving up Netflix, if you truly are in a place where you think you need Netflix to survive, then yeah, and that's that, a different that conversation. fast is going to affect you deeply, <laughs> right? But don't allow fasting to become this easier version of something that you're not actually making yourself vulnerable to God. You're actually just trying to take self-control of your life. Yeah. And self-control self-control in a way that maybe you're still inviting God into. And that's a good thing to do. And like if you feel like you watch too much Netflix and you want to turn that into some sort of fast to wrestle with it and invite God into it, do that. That's a good thing to do. But don't miss out on the fact that maybe that's not quite fasting yet, though. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's something really rich that God may have for you in this practice of fasting. Mm -hmm. And that's that's then that's one of the beautiful things about Lent is it invites that. Because th- here's mm-hmm. another thing I've I've kind of heard about this whole fasting and Lent. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if fasting's so good, why only do it for Lent? Why not do it all year round? Mm-hmm. Um, I did it all year round for years. And, and I've got to tell you, sometimes my fast day fell on like a birthday or like mm-hmm. church barbecue day. And it was like, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> like That could be really hard. But I think there's something that God knows about us. And I, and I think we can recognize about ourselves. And I think psychologists uh, recognize about us is that we need to inhabit the like give and take of rhythm. Mm. Like God didn't say to the children of Israel, like, Hey, remember I like helped you cross the red sea. So you gotta like be celebrating that all the time. He was like, no, once a year, we're going to mark this mm. once a year. We're going to mark the feast of booths once a year. We're going to mark Right. So there was a rhythm to celebrating things and that rhythm, it actually enabled things to come and go from being the focal point because we're not supposed to focus on everything all at once. Mm-hmm. That That's a sort of mindfulness thing is, well, shouldn't you be mindful of all the important things all the time? It's like, oh, no, you've, Every mis- minute. you've misunderstood what mindfulness is. That's mm-hmm. not mindfulness. Mm-hmm. That's just called being overwhelmed and OCD about being a control freak about being able to think about everything. <laughs> that's, that's not actually yes. mindfulness. It's not focus. And so I think God knows that we actually need these rhythms. And one of the beautiful things God did with the children of Israel is he was forming a people. And actually one of the things he did to form a people was he invited rhythms that helped them inhabit the story every year, the story of their identity the story mm-hmm. of their calling, mm-hmm. the way the rhythms of the things they did helped tell that story every year. 
And that's one of the beautiful things about the Christian traditions. Whether we Mm. live in a Christian country or not, we, we as Christians can still lay a hold of telling the story throughout the year. And this is like I've had high church friends, like Anglican friends and people like that, who were always sort of bemused about sort of more charismatic Protestants or evangelicals or people like that. It's like, man, you guys, you've got like a bee in your bonnet about wanting to tell the story of God and tell the gospel. I'm just so confused why you're not telling it by the way that you live every year. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. are you not doing it? And I kind of, I kind of feel like, yeah, I think, I think you're right about that, actually. Yeah. Like Easter and Lent and Advent and Christmas might not cut it. Like maybe remembering Pentecost 50 days after mm-hmm, Easter mm-hmm. could be really important and remembering some other markers in the year. And and it doesn't have to be by liturgical feast days. I think right. sometimes recognizing like, oh, I think God wants to do this and this is a sermon series we're mm, in mm. and something God wants to do in our church. Mm-hmm. We feel like this spring, mm-hmm. like the Becoming Like Jesus thing. And mm-hmm. we, we felt like there were some th- things he wanted us to pursue and they connected the things that had gone before and the things that come yeah. after. But trying to recognize those things, I think is really healthy because it's not just supposed to be a wash of kind of white noise. Yeah, And so that's one of the really beautiful things about a Lent fast mm. is it's an invitation with some of this extra purpose around Easter, and it's an invitation into the story. Um, mm-hmm. It like and and not just because the story's cool, but because it's the story we inhabit. Mm. It's the story that answers the questions we have about our identity and our purpose, right? So, yeah, it, it just. I think there's something really good about this practice. Yeah, and the rhythms that you talked <laughs> about. Um, I, I was just thinking of that. Yeah, I mean, think there's so many examples we have, but just of think of agriculture, and I'm not a gardener or anything, but there are seasons for these things, yeah. to, and there are seasons where they need, they sort of lie dormant almost, but there's something going on inside that plant that's going to grow yeah um and um it 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 requires these different rhythms these different seasons you know and biologically i mean that's how plants you know grow it's like trees if they didn't have a winter and a summer yeah they would fall over that's right that's why like West African hardwoods and things like that grow completely different to the sort of deciduous and evergreen trees uh, in the tropics. And I, so I think there's, you know, it's amazing. (laughs) I I think God knows something about how we're built and what we need. And and the extra twist on it, that every tree experiences summer at the same time. Mm. Mm. So in our individualistic, sometimes we feel like when we're invited, like, like Hey, I think I think God's showing me something important yeah. for me, and I think it's important for you and you too. Yeah, we kind of be like, well, no, like I'm I my want, own person. I want my own personalized mm-hmm. special treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and here's the twist: is like God is going to give you that as well. He's going to have a, fr- a yeah. one-on-one friendship with you and where mm-hmm. you're at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, I think God knows that it's healthy for us to move through the story. Together, Together. to celebrate the story together, to experience it together, because my ability to understand this story is going to be reflected not just by my own fast and my own prayers Mm. and my own almsgiving, but doing it with you and seeing how you do it too. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's another part of the beautiful aspect of like going through these things as a family together, mm-hmm. which again is like that's the heritage of how God worked. And, and when we say like as God formed a people of Israel, we don't just mean as the history of the nation of Israel was going on, but we mean this is one of the things God used to actually shape mm-hmm. to be the potter's hands forming the culture of this nation. Mm-hmm. So that t- doing it together is also deeply formative. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you said early keeps bouncing around my head of like this, if fasting, um, but what God puts into that, you know, what mm-hmm. he replaces, he, he gives himself into, you know, this deeper um, relationship with him you know, is a way to invite fasting is a way to invite him in there yeah. um, so that he can do something new. And, that, and, and that's and so critical. Yeah. You know, it's not that you just get, you know, that you're, you've, you're fasting and that's it. You've denied, et cetera. It's, it's no, you're actually receiving something very unique and powerful yeah. by doing that like think about jesus and his fast Mm. battle with the enemy like did jesus learn how vulnerable his flesh was yeah and did he learn that you can depend on god when you're weak yeah right yeah but there's a version of learn there which is just like did he did he know that that is a truth in the universe and yeah i think he probably knew that before because he knew his scriptures but he experienced yeah. it. He actually experienced God yeah. coming through and he experienced taking sinful flesh and submitting it to the Father mm-hmm. in the face of temptation. And that experience is something that actually is part of his remaking of humanity, his remaking of the Imago Dei, mm-hmm. which then at the cross suffers, but then is resurrected and vindicated and that's the thing the reality experiences that is then made available to us so like me fasting during easter and realizing like i've got a flesh and it's got a really loud voice it's not just about building awareness it's about during the fast interacting with the father and saying the voice of my flesh is really loud and i don't know what to say to it i don't know what to do with it and god actually doing something and teaching me and me walking away from that fast being like the voice of my flesh has changed and the voice of my spirit bound up deeply in my heart with the Holy Spirit talks differently to my flesh now. Like okay. I've actually been formed. I've actually been changed. There's exciting. something like there's a reality that can happen. Yeah. Like a process we go through. It sounds exciting. I'm yeah. going to try it this season. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm kind of bummed. Like but, we wanted to do this podcast because it's like, well, we're not really focusing on fasting yeah, yeah. during Lent this year, which is okay because there's multifacets sure. to Lent and we, we, maybe we can't do the, you know, mm-hmm. focus on all of them all the time. That's mm-hmm. the mindfulness thing. Mm-hmm. But after this conversation, I'm like, oh, man, I kind of wish we, we were. So I'm all excited about fasting now. I know. It is pretty <laughs> exciting. Hopefully everyone else is, and it's give yeah. something a try yeah. and share your yeah. experiences. But you can, you can give it a go. You can yeah. give it a go, even though we're not focusing on it as a church in this season. And, and if it, you, it's an important part of the story of Lent. And if you were to jump into this, I, I love what you said at the end, t- too. Like, hey, maybe look at within your community group, 
like how you would you know do this yeah. with somebody else yeah Huge. It could just be like just like once a week. That. Like it doesn't need to be deny yourself food yeah. for seven days yeah. in a row. It could just yeah. be, you know, dinner is your last meal yeah. and then fast the next day until and dinner again. The, the Like the long Christian tradition has some of that variety in it. Yeah. Like a lot of traditions, traditions did fast from meat and animal products mm. for the whole 40 days. But some of the traditions fasted for meat once a week for mm. the 40 days, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, and this is one of these things with like trying new spiritual rhythms and practices is we've got a culture that's very idealistic mm-hmm. and we often, um, you know, jump in the deep end because that looks like the best end mm-hmm. and then find ourselves like sinking and gasping for air because we haven't actually learned to tread water yet. And yeah, we jump okay. out of the pool. Great and we're analogy. Like, well, I'm, I'm, not doing, I'm never getting I'm not in doing there that again. again. <laughs> I tried; it didn't right? work. I, my fasting journey started with a half baked idea of fasting, but mm. God interacted me with a bit on a whim for a little while. Oh, that's really yeah, good. like that's okay. Like because the practices they're very skill oriented. They're not something we just understand cognitively. They're something we have to learn how to do, like learning to play an instrument or something like that. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, it's that classic example of like, you know, you don't go, well, I, even like for me, learning violin, right? I remember first violin lesson, like teacher was like, well, why, why do you want to learn the violin? I was like, because I want to play Vivaldi's Four Seasons. I just am uh, um, <laughs> entranced by this piece okay. of music. Mm-hmm. Did he then like pop the Pulls music on the stand and be like, well, okay, <laughs> let's we go. go. Let's you go. Know? No, he was like, okay, this is a violin. It has four strings. <laughs> yes. like, Start yeah. at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and I think it's good for us to just, like, and especially when you're listening to people who've tried things for a long time, yeah. or think, which often if you listen to a podcast or a sermon or read yeah. a book, you get that, is to remind yourself, like, okay, cool. I want to go on a journey towards that. Not I just want to, like, fly into the destination Try at it, the see end if it of works, the journey. And then, yeah. 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 And so, so just trying journey. it out, um, yeah, it can be really good mm-hmm. um, without yeah. without the pressure. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, that's enough. We're going to fast from keeping on talking on this podcast. That's <laughs> enough for this week. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then it's going to be some sort of Lent towards Easter theme yeah. things coming up. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Looking forward to celebrating Easter with you. Mm-hmm.